Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Northern Wind Fantasy Podcast. We are the Three Rivers Boys. I'm Zach. I'm Steve. And Jake is sitting out this one tonight. His little girl is kind of sick, so he hasn't had a chance to watch this episode yet. He's actually watching it right now as we record, so maybe we'll get him to tweet out his thoughts about it later on. Uh, yeah, so we're actually... We're here to talk about, I didn't even say that yet, but the fifth episode of the first season of House of the Dragon. This is a full spoiler for the show, so if you haven't seen every episode yet, turn back now before you have something spoiled. We light the way. Yep, that's the House High Tower words and also the name of the episode. And... This one was kind of hard to put a theme onto, but I think loosely it's probably the power of secrets. We see everybody has been keeping all these secrets from each other, and now they're kind of paying the consequences for that. Yeah, it seems like the end of the episode, at least starting with the wedding dinner, whatever, pre-wedding dinner, uh, we're seeing all of these secrets and their consequences come to fruition. Yeah, I guess we don't see them all really come to fruition yet, but we see how they're about to. By the end of this episode, I think you can say the chessboard for the uh, rest of the show has been set, and we're just kind of kind of watch the pieces fall from here on out. I thought it might be a little bit easier to organize our characters mostly by house here. So starting off with House Targaryen, of course, this is the house of the dragon after all. Uh, Damon is the first member of House Targaryen that we see. And the first thing we see him do is murder his wife. Yeah, so we've seen so far that Damon really likes to be hooded. He likes to cover his face with a hood. Yeah, especially when he's doing things that are kind of shady. Naughty boy. <laughs> his wife's like, oh, are you here to fuck me? <laughs> like you could. And then he scares her horse and fucking bludgeons her skull in. Yeah. That's the last time we see him until the last scene of the Until the episode. party, yeah. I'm not sure if he came here to murder her or not. He definitely ended up murdering her. <laughs> uh, this is Rhea Royce, the bronze bitch, as we've heard him call her. Uh, you can see where she gets her name from here. She's wearing bronze armor. We see this title with a lot of, uh, I guess it's not really a bad title. It's kind of a nickname. We see a lot of bronze people in the house Royce. We have bronzy on. In the Game of Thrones show, he's the main character from House Royce that we see there, if you remember him. I think he was just sick of being exiled to go see his wife by Viserys, so he's like, I'm going to take care of this. Well, also, Viserys keeps telling him, like, you can't marry Rhaenyra because you're already married. And he's like, let me fucking take care of that. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And because he murders her, we find out later in the episode, he might have a claim to the castle of Runestone now. So I think probably the existence of House Royce... And the fact that we know they still have Runestone in Game of Thrones kind of tells us that this isn't going to happen, but it is a claim that he kind of has some legal authority to make now. That guy seemed really upset that he didn't think about that before. (laughs) Yeah. So Viserys is finally getting his illness catching up to him. Yeah, he seems like he's basically on the verge of death. Uh, He's either puking, bleeding, or falling down in like every single scene that he appears in in this episode. He's really not doing well. Yeah, when he's talking to Corliss and he just keeps coughing and coughing and he refuses a chair, I'm like, get this man a chair. (laughs) 
It really seems stupid that his hand wouldn't like ignore that he was saying no chair. Yeah. Something seems fishy about Strong now, though, so maybe maybe there's something else going on there. We'll have to see. So Viserys is desperate at this point to mend the relationship that he has kind of fucked up with Lord Corliss and House Valarian. These guys have two dragons in their house, and they have the biggest fleet in Westeros, so if he doesn't bring them back into the fold, then they will become a rather formidable enemy for him. So he knows that he has to... Uh, get this marriage signed, sealed, and delivered. Yeah, and his cousin kind of mentions that it's pathetic that he came here himself to ask for this. Yeah, this is kind of like technically stooping a little low for a king. Typically, it's everybody else who comes to the king and is like, please marry my daughter (laughs) in this uh, situation. He has to be the one that asks for uh, his vassal to marry his daughter. Yeah, I think this is just another moment of the showrunners telling us through you know, us seeing it, that Viserys is a shitty king. Yeah, he should have never allowed it to come to this point, basically. He should have married Lena when he had the chance. Or or just said, like, in a letter, hey, I uh, am going to have my daughter marry your son, and it's not up for debate, because I think that's within his power. Uh, Kind of, but that might also, like, drive Corliss away from him harder. True. You don't want to make demands of somebody that you're trying not to piss off. I thought Corliss was going to be a little more pissed off here, but he... I mean, he knows this is good for him, too, so it's hard for him to be, like, super dickish about it. Yeah. He does slight Viserys pretty hard by not showing up at the gate to, like, greet him personally when he shows up at uh, High Tide. That's the castle here that the Valorians live in. It's called High Tide. So the royal retinue shows up, and everybody goes inside, and we have a little conversation between the Valorians and King Viserys, and... The hand of the king. It was a little strange that Lenor was sword fighting there. Maybe it was just supposed to be a, hey, these guys sword fight in secret. (laughs) Those aren't the only swords they fight with. Yeah, exactly. Viserys really wants to have a nice daughter for his, or sorry, (laughs) Viserys really wants to have a nice wedding for his daughter. And that gets fucked up for him, too, which kind of sucks. Do you think Melos is fucking up his treatment on purpose? I've seen some people kind of theorize about that. It seemed almost apparent in that scene where the guy's saying, hey, I think medicine would work better. He's like, no, let's keep doing the thing that doesn't work. Yeah, we get this guy, Maester Orwell. He's an assistant to Archmaester Melos, and he keeps making all these suggestions and... Melos is like, no, this is what's working. And it's clearly like not working. It's getting worse. Like every time we see him. (laughs) Yeah. He looks like death. And now his cousin knows that he's missing fingers too. Yeah. We see that happen when, uh, Rainey's and Viserys get together. I think that Viserys made one of his maybe smartest calls as King so far in this show. When he moved up the wedding from in several days after a tournament and a lot of feasting to rate the fuck now. After he saw Rhaenyra and Damon like making out in front of everybody. <laughs> yeah, that and he didn't want Lenor to have time to escape, probably. <laughs> yeah, that was one of the few times that we see Viserys make a decisive in the moment decision. Probably at Strong's urge. Yeah. All right, let's talk about Rhaenyra. That's all the notes I have for Viserys. You were telling me you think this is probably your least favorite Rhaenyra episode so far? Yeah, but I think it's just because we're supposed to not be very happy with Rhaenyra. 
she's just making a lot of really stupid and immature decisions when she's when she's telling Kristen Cole she's like it's gonna be great I'm gonna be married to this other guy but I can still fuck you and he's just like I just asked you to marry me <laughs> and you think that that's a good compromise she does have a very strong tendency to not give a fuck about what other people want or feel yeah which she has in common with her uncle I think a lot I feel of like these her people, dad's like that too. I think that's just kind of royals in general almost. Like all of these people are very privileged and spoiled and they're not used to people telling them no. They kind of think they should be able to do whatever the fuck they want, whenever the fuck they want, just because of who they are. Maybe that's why the Viserys scene where he's saying too strong, am I a good king, that it's really pertinent to no, you're not because he wasn't tested. And because he wasn't tested, he wasn't ever put in a position to make difficult decisions. Yeah, he didn't have a chance to get himself forged in that fire, but probably Rhaenyra will. Oh, yeah. All kinds of problems are going to start. We get this part on the ship where Kristen kind of propositions her to run away and get married and live the life of a sellsword in Essos, what I want to call the uh, Jorah Mormont special here. (laughs) And she, of course, is like... Do you know that I'm like supposed to be queen? Like, why the fuck <laughs> yeah. would I not want to do that? <laughs> I'm not so giving up my kingdom for you. Yeah. Which, to be fair, is like a very good point. What? Kristen the Cole probably should have considered that she might not want to give up absolute power, you know? <laughs> yeah. I think he is a little bit to blame here. He, sh- I think he just should have originally refused. If you're really into your oh, yeah. cloak, then just refuse. Well, I think his problem is that he was already in love with Rhaenyra just from, like, being around her and probably the whole, like, hunting series where they're off in the woods together the whole time alone. Or else he probably would have turned her down because it's clear that he's very reluctant to sleep with her when he does. Mm -hmm. He takes his vows very seriously, but he also is, like, very loyal to Rhaenyra and... Like, owes everything that he has to her, and also she's young and hot, so I don't know. I think he probably is having feelings for her. But she's like, lol, no. (laughs) I won't even consider what you just said to me. (laughs) So heartbreaking for him, obviously. But this isn't the uh, Kristen Cole part, so let's skip along. Yeah, so Rhaenyra, this was after the scene where she had already made the agreement with Lainor that, hey, you can be gay. And I'm still going to see the men that I'm in love with, which yeah, I should have may put or, more about that in here. Let's talk which about that may or may not have been that she was also talking about her uncle, which I think is something that Kristen Cole is also missing here. Yeah, I don't know if he fully has put that together. It seems it like seems, he has no he's idea. He's probably the last person to put it together if he hasn't yet already. <laughs> yeah. yeah, this is a very progressive arrangement that they make with each other, uh, Rhaenyra and Lanor, that is. I think it's kind of easy to take this thing for granted when you're thinking of it from a modern context, but for a medieval society, this kind of thing is like fucking unheard of. So it's also definitely like the best thing that Lenor and Tom, I keep wanting to call him Tom and it's Joffrey. <laughs> <laughs> Lenor and Joffrey, it's the best uh, arrangement they could hope for probably as a couple of gay dudes in a uh, medieval society. Yeah, especially in royalty or at least high families. Yeah. You're expected to make an heir. (laughs) So they go ahead with it 
and they're having a big old party at this feast before the wedding. Everybody's having a good time. Everybody's dancing. And we can see Rhaenyra getting like visibly jealous while Damon and Lena have a little dance and are flirting for a while. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, Lena was being a little little flirty herself. Yeah. And then uh, Rhaenyra and Damon have a turn to dance. And she basically is like, why don't you just kill all my dad's Kingsguard and take me away right now? Make me your she wife from Dragonstone. She's basically saying, like, you're a little bitch. Yeah, she's daring him. She's like, no balls. No balls says what? <laughs> and they're all talking in a language that pretty much nobody understands. So, Yeah, hi, Valerian. It's pretty convenient to be able to speak a ancient language. And basically, the wedding gets interrupted from there. And the next time we see Rhaenyra after she gets rescued by her big, strong friend, Sir Harwin, is they go ahead with that wedding, like we mentioned, shotgun style. Let's do it right here, right now. So, yeah, her and Sir Lenor are officially wedded. You can tell that they're both like very sad. Although we did not see any consummation. True. It's a very important part of the marriage in uh, this society until the bedding. There is no official wedding. Hmm. Yeah, and that'll be the last time we see Rhaenyra, or at least this actress. Yeah. Thanks for all your great work here, Millie. Moving along to House Hightower here. That's all we got for the Targaryens, so... Let's roll along to our next important house. The very beginning of the episode, we see the fallout from Otto getting fired. He's packing up all this shit and leaving King's Landing, a sad boy in the rain. He takes a moment at the gate to have one last conversation with his daughter here and basically lays it down for her. He's like, I'm leaving now. You're all on your own. I hope you appreciate that you did this for yourself (laughs) (laughs) yeah uh i'm not going to be here to protect you and you have to realize that rhaenyra is going to come for you when viserys dies if she wants to be queen her biggest threat to that claim is your children so she's going to come and kill all of them probably and alicent is like fuck i hope that doesn't happen this was one of my favorite scenes of the episode I thought it looked very good. There was it was tension. The acting was great. I, I thought I, guess, I really appreciated somebody like clearly laying the stakes out for Allison for the first time too. In a very, hey, this is the last time you're ever going to get to hear this. I'll see you later. The only problem I have with the scene is nobody in their right mind that's rich would leave during a heavy rain and get on the road. That doesn't <laughs> or at make least any like sense. stand out in the rain and talk. Yeah. Well, they, they were under a, some poor people holding umbrellas for them so they wouldn't get wet. They were under a rock, an archway. It still didn't make any sense. You wouldn't like get on the road when it's full of mud. If you got to go, you got to go. Yeah. Viserys is like hitting his wrist. He's like, get out of here. I don't know what hitting my wrist means. but <laughs> If you don't leave soon, you're going to be leaving a head shorter. And I guess this is probably the last time we see Otto Hightower. Uh, I wouldn't say that. Okay. Nice. He's still, he's not dead, so I mean. Yeah, I just figured we were going to time jump forward. True, true. Not that much, though. Only 10 years. He'll be older, but not, like, ancient. So, uh, moving along with Alicent here. So, we see Alicent watching from the window as the king and his party return to King's Landing. They've just come back from High Tide, setting up this marriage with the Valarians, and... 
as Viserys is getting out of the royal carriage, he just kind of collapses on the ground and everybody's like, go get the maester, go get the maester. He said, warm up the leeches. No, he didn't say warm up. (laughs) Get those leeches going. And I think this is a big slap in the face for Alicent here. Like reality is finally throwing some water on her and being like, hey, this guy could die literally like any fucking second now. If you think that your dad is right about Rhaenyra being a threat to your children, once he's gone, then you need to start taking some measures to prevent that right now. So that's what she does. Yeah, and it all happens a little too easily for her, it seems. Yeah, she sends this message and summons Kristen Cole to her chambers, and she's trying to get him to talk about Damon and whether or not he saw Damon going in and out of her chambers, but she can't quite bring herself to ask him about it directly. Cause I don't know. She just like, doesn't want to talk about sex or something. And he's like, the soon that you're alluding to, I have done it. I, have I know what you're trying to say here. The princess. Yeah. And he's all upset. She's like, that was not what I was expecting, but I'm still pissed about it. <laughs> yeah. It's not the lie that, she thinks Rhaenyra told her, but it is still a lie. And she's pissed about it. <clears throat> I think she was also pissed about what she did to Cole, as in he was definitely a devoted person, and she's mad that she would do that to him. Yeah, I think that probably has a lot to do with it. I thought this was a cool scene to show that while Rhaenyra is maybe not so great at her people skills, Allison is kind of making some progress in that department. He gets, or sorry, she gets Kristen to come in and disarms him both like figuratively and literally he gets, he takes his sword off to sit down and he kind of lets his guard down and lets her get to him. And he feels like real bad about it the whole time. You can tell he's like getting ready to confess as soon as he sits down. Yeah. Sad boy. And he thinks she's going to have him killed. He's like, Please uh, don't cut off my dick and torture me to death. Just like cut off my head and make it over with real quick. If you're feeling merciful, please. I like how she didn't answer him. Yeah. She just kind of leaves it at that. She's like, okay, you're dismissed. I'll think about that. I'll take it into consideration. She's basically like too shocked to even say anything. (laughs) I think it is what it comes down to there. Yeah. If she did that part on purpose. Now I feel like the way this episode ends with her stopping him from killing himself that she chose the not merciful path. (laughs) I thought this was really cool how she wore the next time we see her, I think is at the wedding. Yeah. There are a couple of small scenes where she's not really in them, but her absence is kind of a big deal. Uh, There's the scene where Viserys is getting help from the maesters, I think. And they're like, where's his wife? We don't know. She's off doing some shit. And she's supposed to be there at the beginning of the feast. And he's like, oh, she's indisposed right now. But you can tell he's like really pissed that she's not there yet. Yeah. And then Jason Lannister makes the joke about women not being ready. (laughs) That guy was hilarious. Yeah, he's such a dick. Well, she walks into the hall while he's giving a speech and interrupts him. And everybody's like, he's going to be pissed about that. And I was like, I don't know. He he seems like he wouldn't know how to react correctly to anything. (laughs) The only thing I didn't. Sorry, go ahead. I was just gonna, the only thing I didn't really like about her wearing the green dress is that it had to be spelled out for us. It would have been cool if, like, in an episode coming up, 
there were the war banners and we realized that the green meant that or something like that. I don't think that's even like necessary really. Like the, they don't even have to make it about the war. Said, said, uh, they don't have to make it about the war uh, symbol. What do you, what do they call it? Fuck. I can't remember. War banner. I thought. No. The call uh, to arms. They're talking about the actual like literal high tower. Like there's house high tower. And then in old town, there's a literal like giant tower where they live. And there's a beacon. That's what it is. They call it a beacon. Uh, there's a beacon fire that burns on it all the time. And they're saying when they're calling the banners to war, they throw some powder on it that turns the flames green. And that's how everybody knows it's time to go to war. I see. The green is also just like the color of house high tower. So just by wearing like a green dress, everybody would know which side she's throwing her weight on regardless, you know, if they knew about the beacon or not. So are the Strongs from her realm? The, no, where is how strong from? I can't remember. They they live in Harrenhal, which is part of the Riverlands. Okay. Just this episode in general, they become a lot more prominent. I mean, we get the Strong who talks to her in the garden, who's like, huh, isn't that weird that there was tea? Hmm. <laughs> we'll talk about how strong in a minute, though. So let's talk some more about this dress. So her wearing this dress is basically her announcement to the court in the realm that she is done kind of just playing or not playing. I guess she's done sitting idly by and letting everybody else make the moves for her. She is now an active player in the game of Thrones. This is like an event where she should probably be celebrating her husband's house and wearing black or red support house Targaryen and the display of her own house's color here definitely sends a message. She's looking out for her own interests now. Bold. All right, House Valarian. We kind of talked a little bit about the arrival here at High Tide and how the Valarians are disrespecting them a little bit, so let's get past that. Lena Valarian has grown up significantly since the last time we saw her. Last time we saw her, she was a tiny little girl. Now she is a full-grown woman, and she's hitting on Damon. She can't have the older brother. She'll have the younger, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, it seems like she just wants to probably be in a position of power. That's like what all these people want, I guess. Yeah. I mean, just some of them aren't as smart as the other, like Jason. Yeah. You know, he's a dummy. Uh, something from the Corliss meeting at the beginning that I liked was him staring into the mask of the crab feeder. Yeah, that was cool. He has that kind of added to his collection of cool souvenirs from his journeys around the world on his trading galleys. Yeah, and I didn't know if the showrunners wanted us to be a little more interested in that like i thought it was neat but is it also him just reflecting on what he just spent the last three years doing or four years something like that yeah i think that's pretty much it because he seems changed to me the the cordless we saw in the first three episodes or or whatever it is was very hostile ready to go and that's because he was worried about his men dying and then when we get to the scene where the king shows up to speak to him. He just seems very welcoming and ready to listen to the king. Yeah, I think he's ready to come back into the fold as much as Viserys wants him to come back in. You know, they're both kind of on the same page here. He just also wants to, his house to get something or as much as they can out of it. So we have this little negotiation scene where they talk about how the succession will work. And they come to the compromise that... uh Rhaenyra and Lenor's children will bear the name Valarian, 
until such time as one of them ascends to the Iron Throne, and then they'll change their name to, to Targaryen. That way we preserve uh, the Targaryen dynasty and also House Valarian gets the prominence of having the whole royal family bear the name Valarian. Yeah, and also it doesn't die with them, right? Like they get to carry on their name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We also get a cool private conversation between Corliss and his wife, uh, Rainey's, that I really appreciated. Yeah, this is where she says this was pretty weak of him to come baking for a marriage. Yeah. And we also find out that uh, Corliss is still kind of bearing a grudge over Rainey's getting passed up for the Iron Throne way back at the uh, Great Council of 101. So he's still a little bit pissed about that. And he sees this as an opportunity for them to finally get what they deserve and have a member of their family on the Iron Throne like they should have had done already. Rainey's, on the other hand, is kind of concerned about that. She knows that it's a dangerous place to be on the Iron Throne. Everybody comes for you when you're the top dog, so... She's like, we're putting our son in danger here. Are you ready for that? He's like, yeah, this is what we got to do, man. He'll grow out of being gay. (laughs) I think these two are my favorite couple in the show right now. Yeah, this episode, Rainus grew on me a lot. She seems reasonable. She even said, you know, I've moved past not being able to be queen. You need to move on too. Yeah. Turns out it causes the death of their son's lover. It sure does. I liked Lenore and Joffrey's relationship. I wish we would have got some more of that. It kind of, I know he was in uh, a few of the upper, other episodes, Joffrey that is, but he kind of just like stands in the background. I would have liked to have seen some more of these two together and then his death probably would have hit a little harder. Yeah, I didn't really care for him. I kind of never like it really when a character is introduced and killed off in the same episode. That never really is great for me. I did, however, really like this quick shot we had of the dragons flying into King's Landing together. This is uh, Rainey's on her dragon called Melly's the Red Queen. And Lenore, of course, on our boy Sea Smokes that we've seen before. This is our first shot we see of Melly's, and she is a big girl. She looks like she's like twice the size of Sea Smoke there. Yeah, I actually, I was trying to figure out who these people were. I, I thought it might have been... Rhaenyra, but I was like, that doesn't make sense. She took a boat there, but that makes sense that it was Rhaenys. Rhaenyra's dragon is also yellow. Mm. This was a red dragon. And sea smoke is gray. It's going to be important to tell these dragons apart, so (laughs) we need to learn to identify them before there's like 25 of them, which is going to be like next episode, I guess. Yeah, and like we said before, as they go through the feast scene, Lena clearly has the hots for Daemon. We're going to see some development there, I imagine. All right, and your new favorite house here, House Strong. Let's move along to them. These guys are great. I'm not sure if they're good or bad, but they make things interesting. I don't think you can think of House Strong as good or bad. They're kind of different from the other houses where the members are very different from each other. I think Lair- or sorry, uh, Lionel is an OG. Laris, I'm a little bit shady on. And Harwin seems to be pretty good so far. I don't know. I liked Laris in the hunting episode. He seemed like a nice person, but in this episode, he seemed like an asshole. Well, he sure wants you to think he's nice. He's like, look at these flowers. <laughs> they shouldn't be surviving here. Did you know that your friend took the morning after pill? 
couldn't be anything else. I don't know. Maybe I'm just an idiot. <laughs> yeah, he's definitely playing some slick shit here. The scene you're referring to is the one where he comes up to Alicent in the God's Wood, and he's like, oh, I hope Rainier is okay. Was she really sick? Oh, she wasn't sick? Why did Maester Melos deliver tea to her room then in the middle of the night? Must have been nothing. Subtle. Subtle. So He really sells his cane, too. Yeah. He's like a very, this is kind of like his whole shtick, I think, is that he kind of disarms you with his disability and his like meek nature. He's like, oh me, I can't go hunting. I just sit here and have a cookie with the ladies and listen to you gossip and tell me all your secrets. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Pay no attention to me. And I think he like gets a lot of information that way. Like I said, Lionel is just continuing to be the only guy actually looking out for Viserys' best interests and maybe the the interest of the realm. He keeps giving him that good advice. And he doesn't usually take it right away. <laughs> <laughs> Lionel reminds me a lot of Davos, I think. He's just always yes. going to give you the straight truth, whether you like it or not. What did you think of him overhearing the conversation between Damon and the bronze bitch's cousin? I thought that was pretty funny. <laughs> he seemed like he was like, I don't want any part of this. He was like, holy shit, Damon, you're fucking horrible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what an asshole. Yeah. And he's like, but I know better than to cross you. So yeah, I'm going to keep my mouth just shut. Just keep my mouth shut around the royal family. I didn't really understand Harwin, the bully, the big boy, the guy who picks Rhaenyra up. I guess that's his job. He's well, the muscle of the hand. These guys are kind of like a smaller house compared to a lot of these other major players. They're not really on the same level as like a Hightower or a Lannister or a Stark. So they're trying to do whatever they can to ingratiate themselves to the royal family and get rewarded for doing cool things. Whether that's saving the princess from a mob or giving the king good advice or spying on everybody. They're just here to serve. So I think that was just them trying to score some brownie points. Yeah. So Harwin, like, beating people up to get to Rhaenyra seemed a little odd. I'm like, where is any of the Kingsguard? Protecting the king. But don't they also have to protect the heir? Well, that was Kristen Cole's job. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And he's the one causing all the shit. Yeah. They did a good job of making that very tense and you didn't know what was going on, who's beating up who. Yeah. I didn't know what the fuck was happening. Yeah, so that leads into our final character discussion. Sir Kristen Cole, the pole. <laughs> yeah, so this he was pretty central to this episode. Uh, maybe the most important character in this episode? I don't know. He's definitely a catalyst. He starts a lot of shit. Yeah. He's like, I took off all my armor. I unarmored myself so I could talk to you, Rhaenyra. Didn't you see that I took my armor off? And she's like, yeah, I don't care. <laughs> I'm not going to wherever you just said I wasn't listening to you. So he's kind of taking on the role of the jilted lover here. Scorned lover. He's real pissed off about that. He's real pissed off about that. And he's going to carry that ball of high energy negative emotions into the party here. And the tension is going to continue to build until he finally just explodes and beats fucking the shit out of poor little Joffrey here. Yeah, I mean, his brain is probably very fucked right now because he's rejected by Rhaenyra. 
The queen basically talks him into confessing, which he thinks he should be punished to death. He's convinced that he is going to be like put to death and like the axe is just like waiting to fall for him at any moment. He's like, I can't believe they haven't called me to be executed yet. Yeah. And then he's standing here at this wedding watching, trying not to fall apart. And some guy sneaks up on him and says like, I know that you're doing this. <laughs> Don't worry about it. We're both getting what we want. Like, that was the wrong thing to do, guy. As soon as Joffrey did that, I was like, that was a really stupid thing to do. Yeah, he thought he was being real slick about it, too. <laughs> yeah, he's like, I'm hot shit. I'm going to talk to you in public. Like, whoa, dude. It is not that cool. Yeah, it's almost like Joffrey doesn't understand that he's the side piece to one of the most important people in the world. Like, he thinks he's just, like, at a dance or something, you know? Yeah. He's he's a little confused as to his station. I don't think he quite but, knows what the stakes are here. Yeah. Well, he finds out. He's not very good at fighting. <laughs> well, he is basically unarmed and unarmored, and this guy is, like, clad head to foot in steel, so. And a seasoned fighter. Yeah. All right. Pushes his face. And basically... Kristen is kind of at rock bottom here after that. Not only did he fuck the princess, but now he is basically a murderer. Uh, His honor is in the toilet. He has nothing left to live for. He thinks he's going to be executed anyhow. And this is when Allison swoops in right at the last moment and gives him something to live for. She's like, this is my favorite tree area. You are not about to spill your blood (laughs) on it. Hey, I know that you hate Rhaenyra now, and I also hate Rhaenyra now, so what if we, like, got together and hated Rhaenyra together? He's like, anything. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds better than dying. I can't tell if the showrunners were having him kill himself in front of that tree because that's, like, something honorable to do. Or if it's just that's where he chose to do it, so that's the most likely place that Allison would be able to just show up and be like, "Hey, wait a minute." I don't know the the fact that the the weirwood tree is there at all is weird to me as a book reader. None of these people should be worshiping the old gods; they're all worshippers of the seven down here in the south. So I'm not sure what the weirwood tree has as far as significance for them. A lot of these castles do have. God's woods in them, but the weirwood trees have been chopped down like a long ass time ago when they converted to the seven. Oh, okay. Just shouldn't be there at all. Yeah. And it definitely shouldn't hold any religious significance, but it seems like it does for Kristen Cole. I don't know why else he's there. Exactly. That's I I just didn't understand why the, why there and then yeah. all right. So let's wrap it up here. We pretty much went through most of the scenes. Is there anything that like stuck out to you as Really nice from the episode. I just want to say, kind of like with the Rings of Power, I had a similar thing going on where I had one scene that was my favorite and least favorite at the same time. And that was like the whole feast sequence. I thought it was really great. The music was amazing. Like the dancing was amazing. The costumes were all really cool. I like how they slowly build up the tension with like the the music picking up pace and everybody looking at each other like glancing side to side, shooting these dirty looks and side eyes at each other. But I also yeah. thought, oh, sorry, go ahead. 
I was just going to say the same thing. This ep- that scene did it for me. I mean, it's probably the most important scene in the entire the series one, so too. far. It is like a third of the episode or something, I think. Yeah. But at the end of the episode, when everything was finished and done, I just had this level of tension, unresolved tension. Like it held on me. And it, I haven't really felt that yet with this. And that's what I remember watching Game of Thrones being like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. <laughs> and I, I finally felt that. And that's something that I've missed from Game of Thrones was just like the drama is thick. Yeah. I didn't like the way that Kristen just straight up murdered Joffrey. To me, that was a time saver, right? <laughs> like, yeah. Like, we don't have time for that. So we're going to have him do it. Is it okay if I say what happens in the books there? I mean, it, it, it ends up in the same result. It's just like how it happens is a little different. Do you want me to? Well, you mentioned that it's just a two pager or like a one word, like a couple words almost that just tell what happens. This whole, like the whole show is like two chapters in a book, basically. It's very vague on details. It's like a history book kind of. Uh, I would just keep it to the actual Kristen Cole kills him thing but yeah i think it's fine so in the books they they do have this big tournament and wedding like it's a very long like two-week affair like they had originally planned in the show and Kristen cole just beats the shit out of uh joffrey in the course of the tournament and crushes like hits him in the head with a mace and fucks his day up and like nine days later joffrey dies See, that would have made much more sense based on what we saw in the first episode where he uses the mace yeah. to fight Damon. And I think you might have even said to me, hey, just wait, like, because that's almost foreshadowing. Yeah, I expected that to happen the same way. So the fact that he just like straight up murdered him in cold blood in front of the entire court, I feel like he should face a lot of repercussions for that, that he might not. I don't know. He's under the queen's protection, so I guess the queen can just say, "Harry, fuck off, guys. This is my boy." But that was my biggest gripe with the with this episode. I think that's just something that they had to do to save time, like you said. Though they would they would have had to do a whole extra episode for the tournament and everything, or some shitty montage. Yeah, that's probably the worst part about this show so far is the pacing that they've kind of been forced to do. But I think after this time jump, it's probably gonna resolve itself. Yeah, if. If they were to remove anything from that episode so that they could get the joust or the tournament in, it would be removing maybe some of those scenes on the beach where Rhaenyra is talking to Laenor and then when Laenor is making out with Joffrey. Like those th- those tensions and things could have been built up during a tournament or something. Yeah, like, like that, in little but. side moments or while they're like having drinks and watching the tournament, you know? Yeah. All right. So who did you think was the best actor in this episode? Was it Patty Considine again for you? Ah, it might be. He's so great. <laughs> I just like, I'm always like, damn you, damn you. I also th- thought Matt Smith was amazing in this episode. He wasn't in it a lot, but the, the scenes that he was in, he like totally stole the show. Yeah. I'm liking him as an actor. I want to check out his stuff. So All right. he was in The Crown. Yeah. My wife loves The Crown. Maybe I should give it a shot. She says he's really great in it. He plays Prince Philip, I believe. I'm not very good yep. at real roles. I only know fake ones. That's pretty much it. Got anything else you want to add on before we wrap it up? I guess predictions. We haven't done predictions. You got any predictions here? No, I shouldn't really predict anything because I kind of know what's going to happen. Okay, okay. Uh, This is the last episode before the 10-year time jump, like we said. So next time we'll see a lot of new actors and actresses. Some of them will be playing the same characters 
Uh, there's a new actress for Rhaenyra and a new actress for Alicent. And we're going to see some new kids around. Some people are going to be married that weren't married before. Uh, so be prepared for a lot of changes next episode. I guess that's all we should say there. Yeah, I'm excited for it, though. All right. Uh, thanks for joining us. We are the Three Rivers Boys. I'm Zach. I'm Steve. And Jake is with us in spirit, as always. When he's not with us in person, anyhow. <laughs> uh, follow us on Twitter. We're at Three Rivers Boys. That's three spelled out Rivers Boys. Get on our Discord server and talk to us. We always like to talk to you people, hear what your thoughts and theories are. So send them to us and we'll talk about them on the show. We'll see you next week for more Rings of Power and more Hot D. Check out both the shows. Catch you next time, guys. Read more books. Read more books. <laughs>